0: Hello and welcome, this is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. What a story. The longest conversation that Jesus has in all the gospel is, is with a woman who is a triple outsider. First of all, she's a Samaritan, one of those in the north who, who refused to acknowledge that G- Jerusalem was the proper place to worship Yahweh. The Samaritans were considered spiritual pagans more because of where they worshipped rather than real differences in theology. There were some differences, of course, but they both worshipped the one God I am. Secondly, she was a woman, and Jesus was talking to a woman in broad daylight, alone, unheard of. Men and women didn't talk. Only in private were women allowed to talk and only to their husbands. And talking in public to a holy man to boot? The separation of men and women was so strict that there was a group of pious Pharisees known as the bruised and bleeding Pharisees because they closed their eyes when they saw a woman in public, even if it meant walking into a wall and breaking their noses. Thirdly, she wasn't just any kind of woman. She was a fallen woman. We know that part of the story. She was there at the well at noon because perhaps she was avoiding the early morning time when proper women came to get water, or maybe she wasn't welcome at the morning social hour when the other women got together and drew water and talked. She'd been married more times than any Hollywood star and was currently living with a man who wasn't even her husband. Outsider, outsider, outsider. The long and the short of all this is that this woman must have considered herself very far from God's favor by any standard, whether it's Jewish or Samaritan. Perhaps she was exactly the type of person that St. Paul had in mind when he said, For while we we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Ungodly here means those who have violated the norms of a proper relationship with God and a proper obeying of the Mosaic law. There was simply no way that she would have been allowed to worship in Jerusalem anyway and not even in the northern temples either as A woman married five times and living in sin. She was cut off from any proper way of worshiping. You know, religion has a way of sometimes putting obstacles in the way of a relationship with God. And for this woman, that obstacle must have seemed insurmountable. She may have even felt like the kind of enemy of God that Paul referred to in his letter to the Romans. Through Paul's letters, we can focus on how this story of the woman at the well turns out. Paul says, for for if while we were enemies, that's strong language, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. Now, Paul's not easy. His theology's not easy. But a simple definition for reconciled here is to exchange hostility for a friendly relationship. To exchange hostility for a friendly relationship. Through Christ we are reconciled to God and that has all sorts of ramifications on how we treat each other and are reconciled to each other as well. No longer is it acceptable for religion to put obstacles in the way of an intimate personal relationship with God. Welcoming everyone, as we often say, whoever you are, is an ancient tradition it's not something that the united church of christ has invented lately it's an ancient tradition jesus shows us how this looks in a real life situation this morning he sets a standard for respect of sinners who have made mistakes of the demonstration of hospitality and the expectation of hospitality being demonstrated in return, and honesty, as Jen picked up on, honesty between people that we only can aspire to live up to. So let's go over the story one more time. She didn't know the significance of the encounter she was about to have. She didn't know anything about this reconciling Jesus theology. He was still alive at the time that this happened. The man born to show us what kind of love and justice is possible for a human being. She didn't really know who this was. He was a stranger. She only knew that everyone shunned her as an unclean sinner. You can only imagine what was going on in this woman's mind when she meets this stranger at the well, and somehow she recognizes that the stranger sitting there is a Jew. So when he asks her for a drink, she gets curious. What kind of Jew is this? Maybe he's lost his faith in the law of Moses. Many of the laws are about not eating and drinking with people who are ritually unclean. Maybe this stranger was a fallen kind of man of some sort himself. Here he was violating all proper rules of the separation between men and women by even talking to her, much less drinking from her cup but she has no clue that he already knows she's a fallen woman married many times and living with a man maybe because she'd given up on making marriage work when he speaks to her when he asks to drink with her she gets curious about who this man is and that's the key here She gets curious. That is the beginning of faith. Speaking with a woman in public, daring to drink with a Samaritan, she asks a simple question. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? It's Just a simple question, isn't it? Recognizing the animosity between the Two worshiping people, the northern and southern kingdoms. We've been talking several weeks about Jesus' way of not answering the question that we ask and instead challenging us to think for ourselves and to live by a different standard, challenging us to think out of the box. The boxes which restrain our imaginings of a world of peace and justice here on earth that keep us from believing that that's even possible. And so in his typical way, Jesus doesn't answer her straightforward question. He challenges her to think outside the box. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She gets his challenge, and so she asks more about the identity of the stranger. Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave you this well? Perhaps behind your question is her yearning to know about this living water, and who is this guy anyway? What is clear is, is now that they are talking about spiritual things and now that she has, demonstrate that, has demonstrated that she gets that this is no ordinary stranger, Jesus answers her question directly. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Remember, the Bible doesn't reduce eternal life down to only the promise of life after death, as important as that is. Eternal life, the kingdom of God here on earth is present wherever God's will for love, peace, justice, and reconciliation breaks through into this broken and hurting world. The woman is a seeking woman. She knows something amazing is being offered here and she's focused on the things of this world. She doesn't get kind of get exactly what she's hearing. And so she asks, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to come here to draw water and deal with my being an outsider, an outcast. She doesn't say that, but you can imagine. And again, this wily, challenging Jesus tests her. Is she going to be as honest with me as I'm being with her? She asks about her husband and she replies honestly that she doesn't have one. The more she's able to be honest with this stranger, the more open Jesus is being about his real identity. He knows that she has had five husbands and she recognizes that this stranger must be some sort of prophet. So she's kind of, her understanding is moving to the next level. How else could he have known that she had five husbands? She didn't tell him. But that's just the beginning. They go back and forth about Jerusalem being the proper place to worship Yahweh, but Jesus challenged her to think even bigger than current custom and current theology. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And so she gets it a little more now, and perhaps she's, perhaps she's talking to the Messiah. It occurs to her, the Messiah who will reveal all things, and Jesus reveals who He is for the first time to this triple. Outsider, this triple alienated woman, he says, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. So, what are we to learn from this story? I think it's simple. Jen stole my sermon. Because <laughs> the truth is. The more honest and open this woman was able to be, the more open Jesus was with her. That's how it works with God. It's not learning how to pray with the right kind of flowery words. It's not necessarily doing more and more works of service. It's nothing of this world. It is in spirit. We are one with our Lord Jesus Christ. The most powerful path to our spiritual blossoming as we follow the way of Jesus is to be open and absolutely honest about who we are. And this is where Paul challenges us, maybe even more than Jesus. He says, the truth is that sometimes we are the enemies of God. Now that is strong language. How are, how are we enemies of God? You know, we don't think of ourselves that way. But I propose to you that we like to have our lives under our own control, that we like to live by our own customs and our own common sense more than we like to really rely in faith on God's leading. It is almost an either or thing for us spiritually. We either trust the things of this world we trust God to lead us through the things of this world. Instead of living in ways of hospitality which welcomes strangers, which violates what's proper etiquette according to our current culture, we stick to our human ways of judging people by human standards. Instead of learning to see each person we meet as God sees them, we stay stuck in our own fears and prejudices and short-sightedness. We preach that our brothers and sisters are stupid and wrong and some even encourage us to believe that we have to divide into like-minded camps as, res- as we resist those who are wrong, not like us. And so it is so hard for us to believe that the Messiah has come and changed all that. Jesus encourages us not to give up on the go- truth of the gospel. The hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the truth is that each and every one of us is God's creation, no matter how fallen, No matter how many mistakes we've made, each and every one of us is God's creature. No exceptions. In Christ we're called to live as brothers and sisters with everyone, even those we cannot understand at all. Extending hospitality to each other for a friendly, relationship with God, extending, being a reconciling, reconciled people, that is, exchanging hostility for a friendly relationship with God and each other. As Paul says, we are already reconciled through Christ. For it is why, if, if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. This is the hope of our lives, the hope of our church, the hope for the world. We are a reconciled people living as welcoming and reconciling representatives of the work of Jesus Christ through his innocent suffering. Bless us as we seek to walk the ways of Jesus Christ, as we seek to be the church as witnesses to the peace available to us and the reconciliation God calls us to live. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at PO Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta. Where, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.